You are listening to the Evolution Exchange Nordics podcast, bringing together the best technical leaders to talk about the industry, passions and challenges that they're facing. I'm Abby Stokes. I help businesses connect with tech talent and I'm your host for today's episode. Today, I'm joined by Dipanka Satapathy, Marwan Adamalati, Petros Karabsis and Sergio Florano to discuss what is the role of a test lead. Before we get into the topic in a bit more detail, we'll work our way around the room with some introductions. So Dipanka, would you like to kick us off, please? Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Abby. Uh, yeah, uh, my full name, Dipanka Satpati. I basically, uh, yeah, I'm born and brought up in India, but it's been a while that I've been uh, here in Stockholm, Sweden, lovely place, by the way. Uh, I've been uh, in the space of IT. Uh, it's been roughly 12 years and uh, predominantly in the space of test, test automation, testing, test lead. Uh, I, I've been working with one of the leading industrial manufacturing and high-tech engineering company called Sandvik as a test lead for a while. And the space of digital offerings is where uh, my domain lies at the moment. And uh, happy to meet, uh, meet you all. And uh, that's it, I guess. You're, you're muted. I think them. you're muted. <laughs> Still can't hear you. Brilliant. It's a good start. You, you wouldn't have thought that I'd do these almost every single week, would you? <laughs> um, Marwan, would you like to kick us off next? Yeah, sure. So my name is Marwan. Um, I was born here in Sweden, but I'm originally from Egypt. Um, and I have been working within testing for the last 15 years. So right after graduation, I started as a consultant and I just happened to be working with testing. It was just complete random. Uh, I just applied for a job, had no idea what, what it was about. Uh, it happened to be in testing and ever since I've just continued with that. So I started off as a consultant in testing and was doing that for like I don't know, five years or something. And then uh, I started working for a startup company called Soundtracker Brand, where I'm currently working at. I've been there for the last eight years. And uh, during all these 15 years, I've been doing everything in testing, have, uh, from manual testing, test strategy, test design, test automation, test lead. And yeah, ba basically the whole thing. <laughs> but I still feel like that there's so much more still to learn about testing uh, and new and exciting stuff are always coming up uh, and uh, on my free time i try to travel as much as i can explore the world so yeah that's a bit about me nice thank you um petros you next please Sure. Um, much like Marwan, I, I uh, started uh, completely by accident. Well, after uh, university, um, I graduated from uh, university in Canada and I just applied for a job there and I got it and I started uh, testing the set-top boxes for televisions. Uh, so that was my first job. <laughs> and then uh, after that, I've worked in Greece, uh, where I'm originally from. And uh, for the past, um, well, since 2013, I've been in Sweden and I've worked for Klarna for five years, NetDent for one year, um, an online record label called Amuse. And now I'm the test lead for uh, a company called Fairlaw, um, a credit-based company, but we're aiming to make everything sort of clear and fair for people, hence fair. 
anyways um <laughs> yeah uh and uh, something personal from my side uh i'm a bit of a geek slash nerd i don't know how you want to define that so i paint miniatures um like warhammer style stuff and uh yeah i think that pretty much sums it up <laughs> nice thank you and last but not least sergio hello uh yes my full name is sergio floriano sergio uh, if you're in spain and I'm actually from Spain. Um, I I and I studied telecommunications engineering, and I graduated. Uh, I did my master's thesis in Sweden. That's that what uh, brought me here. I, that was a few years ago, and um, after that I decided to stay. So I stayed in Sweden, and I've been working for Ericsson for uh, around 12 years, I would say. Actually, uh, I was not involved in testing in the beginning. Well, I, I did some testing. I was a developer. I was uh, writing uh, C and C++. And then I moved uh, to, to testing, uh, doing automation, doing manual testing, and then doing coordination with other teams. We, we have a product that it's, uh, we work with the radio stations, if you're familiar with it. So we make radios uh, for the mobile networks. And so I started to get interested into, into that. and. Uh, uh, it's quite cool because uh, we, we have labs where we, we test these, uh, these devices and there are a lot of products that we, we interact with. So it's quite quite a big uh, setup that we have. And I started being, uh, as I said, like coordination in that area and then I became a test uh, manager who is a bit more on a high level to design the strategies, um, to keep track of the budget, to, to uh, do forecasts of the coming products and so on, and also help uh, the test coordinators to, to lead the, the teams. Um, that, uh, that's what I've been doing until now. And uh, on the personal side, I am um, quite much into music. So I play guitar, a little bit piano, uh, actually I've been playing with, with bands before. And uh, I also ride the motorcycle. And that's one of, also one of my passions. I have a lot of passions as well, like cooking, reading, and so on. But those are quite traveling as well. But uh, yeah, you can, you can. That, that's that's my introduction. A rock and roll soul, right? Eh? <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> exactly. Nice. So now that we've each got a context for all of you, we'll move into the topic in focus. So you have all prepared a question or statement on what is the role of a test lead. And as usual, we'll work our way around the room where you can each ask your questions and give your thoughts. So the first is you, Marowan, no pressure. Um, and you <laughs> asked what makes a great test lead. So tell us a bit mm -hmm. more about your question. Yeah. Yeah, sure. I know it's a very broad question and it can be answered in many, many different ways. But uh, I was uh, actually more trying to focus on uh, like uh, the human side on how you uh, like organize and uh, work with your team. And most of all, like how do you keep like your team motivated all the time? Because uh, as I see it, most, most of the time, like you have one product that you are developing and there are n new features coming into it, but you're still doing the same process over and over again, like with the regression testing or could be manual testing. Uh, and how do you like, do, do, do you keep your team motivated to keep going and maybe also give them the autonomy to explore new tools, new ways to do their, to do like the work better um, and how much influence do you as a team lead have influence on your team 
how much do you let them decide and how much do, do you decide on like which direction you're going to test uh, the product so, uh, it's a it's a very broad question um, and I can tell you this is like something that I'm always struggling with is like how to keep everybody happy and motivated even though they are still doing the same thing uh, like for every spring so, um, can I ask you just to put more into context you mean from the per perspective of a test lead or a team lead or from i would say from a from a test lead perspective from more from like a, a, a leading perspective but more into the technical lead perspective mm. uh, so not from like a, a manager role but more of like the, you are the one that are leading your team a, a team of testers i would also yes. We have a different setup. We have a, a hybrid, uh, let's say, cross-functional team. That's mm -hmm. what we, we, we have in, in our company. Uh, so we have developers, we have testers, we have system engineers, we have a little bit of a mixture. They all mm -hmm. can do a little bit of everything, uh, but they are also specialized in their own thing. So it's a bit mm -hmm. different. It's a bit different. So that's, uh, yeah. Go ahead. But you can still like... Uh you can still have the testers interact with each other right as in like hey like do you have you heard about this cool tool that is out and what sort of technique should we use here or how can we test this so to kind of bounce ideas off each other even if it is a cross-functional team right mm -hmm. yes definitely now that's actually the one of the best parts that they can work together so for me one of the most uh, important parts is the communication between the people developing and the people testing so that the closer that uh, they are to each other i think the be the better they work but the better but, they, they have the, the understanding the better they it's a faster feedback when they need uh, to test something they 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 can they match each other quite well i think do you also have your uh, testing teams from different departments talking to each other other yeah. like having like so that they have like common grounds or common tools like a testing forum or stuff like that Yes, and what do you... yeah, we, uh, I mean, we have something similar as well because I I work in a specific BA for example, and then we have the group functions IT for example, and then there are big uh, IT infrastructure for tests available, IT forums for tests available, and you have to use those eventually. Otherwise, uh, you just pile up uh, your resources and costs over. So that is a very common practice, I, I believe. Uh, but I think the for me, a uh, great test lead, be it in, in terms of leadership, be it in terms of the role itself, is, is the act of balancing. Mm. Uh, it's everywhere. I mean, it's pretty much synonymous with a test lead because if you look at uh, stakeholder management, right, uh, which is which will later come on as my question, it is an act of balancing. It balances the expectation of different stakeholders, right? It comes to the team. It is the act of balancing because right now, uh, I mean, I've worked in projects and products where we don't have test teams anymore, right? It's agile, they call it development team, right? Essentially, mm -hmm. you go in as a technical tester, even if you are a lead. Yeah. So how do, how, do you, how do you balance your role going into a completely technical development lead, isn't it? But I think also one of the, uh, one of the key aspects today is uh, what is a reasonable product that has been rolled out over time? And that is the most important role of a test lead. You know, you have a team that can do hundreds of things with 100 different competence uh, and you build up something for regression with an automation uh, competent team you build up something for your non-functional let's say with a performance 
uh, competent team uh, or performance test competent team. But at the end of it, as you as a test lead, if you have the uh, quality to balance uh, optimal quality rather than you know um, setting up all these targets and expectations based on what different stakeholders put into the team, I think the, the best team spirit would bring up when you as a test lead represent your own decisions and your own you know, balancing act and show it to the, uh, and rather spread it across the test team or even the development team and say, okay, we can do only X and X plus one is not exactly the scope at the moment because it doesn't really have any impact on the market for a, for a product, right? So for me, it's the balance. Everywhere you go, the thing, the, the, the psychology is a test lead has to balance his team, balance the stakeholders, balance the end user expectations um, and whatnot. You remind me the middle. You you are in the yeah. middle of many many fights, so you need exactly. to exactly. You need to be the, <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, it's an I, interesting question. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. yeah. There are a lot of things to say about. Yeah, sorry, you want to say something? No, I was just going to refer to the um, because you mentioned like how do you keep people motivated and how how do you like that part of the question a little bit and I'm fairly new to the to the role to be honest with you right um, so. I probably have a little bit less experience as to keeping people motivated and everything like that than you guys. But I think uh, what I'm trying to do is usually I'm trying to establish sort of a community, um, like that community feeling. Uh, I alluded to it earlier when I said, hey, you can exchange ideas and stuff like that. So, uh, but try to involve the developers as well. Uh, there was one really good thing I read about in a book recently. And the suggestion there was to kind of have like, uh, kind of like a test forum where the developers would come uh, and the QAs would show up and actually say their struggles uh, with uh, what they're facing. And that would sort of set the uh, the stage for what problems there are to solve and how to solve them together as a team. Um, and it will show, I, my hope is that eventually we show that, hey, this regression test that you're doing that you've done for the 13th time or, you know, 13,000 time, <laughs> uh is actually very useful for people because this is the feedback that we're getting from the developer for certain things um so I, I would focus more on on that and if if you're approaching it from a leadership type of position um it's kind of like the principle of uh i do you do and we do so i show you one thing and i give you like an idea of maybe how you can approach it and then you can go ahead and run with the idea and then together we can look at it and we can decide whether or not this is the proper thing. Yeah. Now, I understand that this is the optimal. It's not always feasible in the real world, but it's a nice thing to strive for, I think. I, I agree yeah. as well with uh, the sharing. The sharing is quite important. We, we also practice uh, uh, pair programming and pair testing. Yeah as an extension. So we do uh, a lot of exploratory testing. I don't know if you're familiar with that uh, methodology. So basically yeah. two people sit in one place, one is collecting logs and and, uh, and and keeping track of what's been done and the other person is exploring and they exchange idea how to test this, how to test that, what we can, we can trick this way. We can, so you don't have only one person isolated testing. So you have at least two people yeah. uh, on, on a problem. So that's usually quite motivating for for them, I would say. Yeah, and, that's uh, actually fun. <laughs> it's quite fun. I've done it myself, and I really liked it. And I, I was I was promoting this exploratory testing, and also in the, in, in the company, 
But one thing important to say is also what is frustrating for the teams. Uh, apart from the motivation, I see them frustrated. Something we haven't said is a lack of uh, uh, of good specifications. I think this is one of the things that mm. uh, decreases the motivation quite a lot. That's right. Uh, oh, yeah. so that's something to avoid <laughs> if you want to put it in that way. So enforce the system or whoever is doing the design of the, the specification that, to do it in the right way, to do it uh, clearly for, mm -hmm. for people to be able to test and for us to build up an environment, to interact with other tools in needed or the product. It depends. It's a lot of things to specify, right? So I think that's quite important to have that clear. Yeah, yeah specification is a bit of a sorry I, I feel like i'm cutting in but there go, might go. be a bit of a delay in sound uh a, a very interesting way actually to show that specification is lacking for certain things is to take what sergio did uh, sergio did uh said like uh pair programming and actually blow it up a little bit and kind of do it as in like bug bashes mm. like get people from customer support uh if you have a product that is available to public um get people from customer support and have them use that product before it goes out live um we did this in the record label uh, a couple of times actually and it was very interesting to see how people that usually don't interact with the product itself they start understanding what the issues what the common issues that the users are facing are and they've come to expect them and that kind of shows that okay this feature that this product manager asked, for instance, uh, is lacking specifications because this is not how a user will use it. Exactly. It's a very interesting yeah. approach, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I like uh, what Depar said about like uh, setting the expectations uh, from the rest of the, the organization on what you as a leader, what you can promise to deliver and what you might not be able to deliver. I think uh, that's really cool. And also what you, Petro, said about the uh, showing that the testers, the work that they are doing, it has actually produces value and that other people in the organization or customers actually appreciate it. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. I uh, think uh, that's, that's really motivating. Extremely and, important. Uh, I agree. Yeah. Because uh, every time, like that, you, that you see, like that you you have done something, and it does have an effect on something. There's like, okay, that was good. I did something. I, I uh, found the I found the bag. That's a oh yeah. <laughs> That's the most Exciting. satisfying feeling. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Especially when you never expect it. When you just like have everything is like looking green, but then. You find something lurking in the corner that nobody <laughs> thought about. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Nice, lovely. Well, Japanka, you mentioned it a bit in your answer there. So we'll move on to your question next. And you yeah. asked, who is the most important stakeholder for a test lead and why? Um, so tell us a bit more about your question. Yeah, because uh, lately the journey of a tester has moved away from the traditional way of testing um maybe in a waterfall model for example right now, now everybody's involved way more at every single uh point in a development cycle in a release cycle and it's starting from the uh, bas to product management to product project management to uh, development teams test teams end users whatnot so like sergio said uh, bring in uh, users uh, uh, to you know test so uh, uat for example is becoming big nowadays as well so 
as a tester and it, in, in this fast environment when we move around uh, with so frequent releases, it's it's sometimes very difficult to prioritize the stakeholder. You know? And the, the reason for that is because the stakeholder's expectation is what tester eventually end up uh, meeting. So I know there cannot be a specific stakeholder certain like at all point in time. But what do you feel about it? How do you how do you take a particular journey and decide which stakeholder to deal with, uh, with you know priority compared to some other stakeholders, for example, in the context of stakeholder management while testing? Yeah, I can I can tell you what, hard. what I think. Yeah, it's a very hard question. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because uh, as you said in your question, like there are many stakeholders in in the whole like product life cycle yeah. or, or in the whole de development uh, of a product. Uh, for for me at least, I mean, a lot of ways I try to think of like it's the customer that is actually the stakeholder because they who's who's in the end are going to have uh, like a positive effect or a negative effect of what you are developing and in, in the end it is actually going to be the customer who chooses to pay for your service or not uh, i would say like they are the, the main uh, stakeholders uh, but also like from my own uh, organization that i'm working on right now uh, it's also about like trying to verify the vision that our product owners have on the product. So they have maybe exactly. designed something and they think that they, this something will add a lot of value into the product in the future. So, and that is very important. So who's the, who are the people that have, are invested in, into this feature or into this product? These are like the, the important stakeholders. So I don't think there's like any, it's very hard to pick one who's like the most important. <laughs> I have a question actually for you. Yeah. Would, do you consider uh, the team also uh, a stakeholder for you? Absolutely, because anybody who has a stake in the product is a stakeholder eventually <laughs> by the definition of it. And I think the biggest stake is actually the team. Uh, so I, mm. I mean, I would definitely add them as one of the key stakeholders as well in the consideration. Yeah. I would say that too, especially as a test lead, you're in mm -hmm. direct contact with them. They are, they should be in one of on, on your top priorities, uh, mm -hmm. the teams, because the, the customer is also obviously a stakeholder. It was the, the mm -hmm. customers, they have the last word always, mm -hmm. they pay. Yeah. But there are other people in the company as well. Yes, yes. In, in relation with them, so they're close to them, even closer than the test lead. Yeah, right? yeah I agree. So, I agree. Yes. Not everybody needs to be um, responsible for what's happening to, to the customer. I mean, there is a chain of uh, communication and uh, the, the responsibility is distributed to different parts in the organization as well. Mm -hmm. So as a test lead, that would incline to the actual actual team. Nice. Right. One, one other second position. The customer mm -hmm. is also on the top, but <laughs> I think it's, yeah, it's important to have a, a people to motivate it and they, they can do their work. Otherwise, there's no point that they, you don't have any, any possibility to test any product if you don't have a motivated team. So right. interesting, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, my, uh, my view on this is a bit like when I read the question originally, I thought it was like one of the hardest ones to answer because it is so, so it is many stakeholders one. that we have. Yeah. And 
sorry about this. I, <laughs> no, no, no. It's a very interesting question. It's a very interesting question, it but is. it's it's so fluid. Uh, in my mind, I don't know if the rest agree, but I think it's very fluid. I mean, yeah, you have your customer, then you have your your teammates, you have your management. Like as as testers and as test leads, uh, we have, we wear many hats, right? We we're supposed exactly. to represent many interests around the um, the company and the company and the and the and the user, obviously, if he's a member. Uh, so what I'm trying to say is. Oh, you said it earlier, actually, which was you mentioned balance. Um, so I think that's the most important thing because we do live in a world where agile allows us to release stuff with bugs, knowing that we have issues and we do it like, but we're kidding ourselves if we don't. Right. Um, and we, at that point, we make a compromise and we say that, okay, the user in this case is probably, I don't want to say this, but he can live with it for, you know, a week or two until mm -hmm. we fix it. Mm -hmm. uh, so at that point, you know, our, our, our stakeholder becomes our team, our mm -hmm. management. Um, I think it's a balance. And for yeah. every instance, you have to hold accountable your, your stakeholders for what they say they believe in. So if they believe in high quality, then you can have, you can hold them accountable for saying, Hey, you told me that quality matters, but here you are pushing things, wanting to mm. push things that are broken all the time. Like, mm. uh, what is the what is the balance that we find here? Mm. Uh, and then you start negotiating with them again. Uh, yeah. mm. So that's why that's why I thought it was a hard hard question to answer. No, but, but you know what? It actually was a very very uh, uh, fruitful uh, discussion because if I just combine all your statements and all your opinions into something that I can, let's say, translate into uh, something I'm thinking right now is, again, coming a bit into the balancing act, but it's, as you said, it's fluid, right? So it depends on the stage where a test lead is currently involved with uh, the most. Uh, if it's in the beginning, maybe the BA is the most important stakeholder because they are the one defining requirements. And then when it comes to the project, the development cycle, maybe the developers and the project management is the most important stakeholder in that case. And then when it comes mm -hmm. to the actual release, maybe the end user can be a very, very important stakeholder. So I, I think in a way, both, uh, sorry, all of you actually came up with a similar conclusion that, you know, at different points uh, or different phases during the complete cycle, product life cycle, you end up mm -hmm. uh, basically shifting your prior, you know, priorities and then depending on that, who becomes the prioritized stakeholder. So I think this actually uh, did answer my question uh, in a way, you know, yeah, so thank you for I, that. Thank I you. Agree. Agree. It's a great question. I agree. This, this is shifted in, in, the, in, mm -hmm. the, in, the, in the whole chain, yes. Yeah, that's so actually, I, I experienced it myself, uh, changing mm -hmm. from one role to another, um, that I have, uh, I need to feel I have a different stake or prioritize a different stakeholder, depending mm -hmm. where you are in which stage of the test uh, process. Yeah, it's good to see I'm not the only one who is. <laughs> struggling with these yeah, kinds of questions. Nice. Good Definitely good. not. <laughs> right. Nice. Lovely. Well, Sergio, we'll come to you next with your question. And you asked, what is your process to start building a test strategy for new products? And what aspects do you consider from the very beginning? So tell us a bit more about your question. Yeah, that's uh, that's actually it. It's um, 
it's different. Uh, I, I know from um, maybe different pro type of products, uh, different uh, companies, uh, depending on your how you are organized internally. But the idea is okay. How 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 do you do when you get a new product and then uh, that's you need to build something from scratch. So you don't have a test strategy. You don't have a, it's not an additional feature to something that exists. Uh, that it can be easily merged into the, your existing uh, flows and uh, integrated easily. No, it's something that you need to to start thinking about how you're going to build that. How, how how do you build up in different stages? What do you prioritize? How how would you tackle that? That's my question. It's a bit broad, but let's see if we can have a common. Let's focus on software. <laughs> <laughs> Not not cars uh, or trains. <laughs> I don't know. I, originally, when when I read this question, I thought, uh, oh, first we need to understand the like you know the the why, the how, and the and the and the what, right, of what we're testing. Uh, so we need to understand that of the product itself. If it's something from scratch, well, <laughs> that's a bit unusual to get into something from scratch, but. Uh, it's going to happen. Uh, I think from that point on, it's just working with your well, stakeholders. It could be your PMs, your your architects, your everybody um, that is involved in the design of the product, um, and kind of understand at which stage is you should do what form of testing, if that makes sense. Um, Formal in the sense of a manual automation or that but also uh dig deeper in it as in let's say that we have a pipeline or this is how we design the pipeline to go through so we can have releases um at which stage will the unit tests appear um and you have to work that out with the developers right um mm. maybe you maybe you can help out the developers with uh defining at different stages in the pipelines for instance you have your unit testing uh, whenever they do like their local uh, environment and then integration testing as it moves on by setting priorities on the tests mm. with them. Uh, that's one thing um, you can. Uh, there's there's a lot of stuff you can do at the design phase um, is what I'm getting to. Um, uh, at the end, you can do your your integration, your sorry, your end to end tests or uh, UI snapshots if that's what you're if that's what you want to do. Um, um, yeah, I think it's. I think you need to be flexible a little bit and accommodate Obviously. different types. But yeah. it's a it's a challenging answer. Yeah, and it's yeah. quite broad, so it can go yeah. to many different think, places. I think I, I, my personal opinion is, uh, of course, it's as as Petro said. I mean, it's quite rare nowadays that you start something exactly from scratch. Uh, you always have something in your mind, but. But of course, there is always going to be something that is scratch from scratch, maybe part of the project also, uh, mm -hmm. which has a different product portfolio. Uh, for me, it, it has always been a challenge, but also been uh, uh, rewarding if you can get some kind of a bird's eye view of the product in terms of architecture, uh, because that defines where, at what point in time, is it going to be important that you, uh, you poke your nose as a tester, as a test mm -hmm. team, isn't it? So in requirements, is it bi-directional? Is it going to be uh, enough for the team to develop and for us to test? So poke your nose with the BS. Uh, 
So be involved in the requirement uh, gathering and requirement workshops. Why not? And then again, you define the types of tests you want to do. Of course, it's the, and you define the type of strategy. Maybe it's wise to use the model because now it's all, all scratch. And in the design phase, we can test the design. Why not? Right. So define the types of tests. And uh, I think it's also very important to understand here uh, what is going to be the development to quality ratio. That's something I personally follow. Uh, it, it is to do two things. One is to catch up deliveries uh, uh, to avoid backlogs of tests compared to development, but also the team itself, right? So now we're going to have this product and as a test team, you get only this much idea. And then you see a big development team being bought up. And uh, there are traditional experiences which will tell you, okay, this is at least the amount of quality uh, involvement that is going to happen. So to bring up a competent team, which is going to help me with the regression suit with test automation, probably work development team more. I don't know, maybe X unit, I don't know. Could be, uh, could be just the UI or could be backend automation developers or could be APIs. And then I shift a bit into somebody who is going to do test coordination and probably help with the UATs and make sure the release management goes well. So we set up the team. So start from the requirement uh, standardization and uh, polish uh, requirement gathering, and then go into team. Uh, you know, building up a proper ratio of quality to development team, and then of course look at the end goal. I mean, uh, one of the again one of the most difficult thing is that in the agile environment, it is never possible to do what I said right now. Right? Yeah. It, it is always going to shift, always going to change. So uh, have that lean test plan going on every sprint. If, if sprint is how you release it, or if it's two sprints, depends on the yeah. project, but every before every release, that, that lean test plan should keep in, you know, keep rotating. The regression should has to be the most one. I, I do something called progressive test automation in, uh, in the team, which essentially means that every sprint, the, 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 uh, the belt, or should I say the, the scope or the coverage of test automation increases. But that doesn't drive the whole scope of test because then our, we'll just, get stuck in a backlog of uh, bugs and issues not tested. So mm -hmm. what is the balance? What is the balance that we do manual testing and automation testing? And at what point in time, depending on the type of product and the use base, user base and the user mass that is going, do we need this kind of uh, uh, non-functional testing? Because I was working with Bath & Paul uh, a while ago as a consultant and uh, the security is a big aspect for them. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so of course that is something you have to bring up in the test strategy in the beginning. What are the types of tests? But in Sandvik, in our product, security is not. It's AI, AI prediction is more important, so the data becomes more yeah. critical. So I think the types of tests follow the requirement gathering, and then the quality ratio will automatically match up. I think. Who, who are the ones uh, defining that uh, strategy? Is it the teams? Is it? Uh, uh, is well, the test some test leads. Yeah, I think I think the. The initiative should be from the test lead, no? Uh, because mm -hmm. the test lead, if he takes the initiative, he or she takes the initiative of a test strategy, the team will be will be basically groomed or the competent team will be bought up based on the test strategy. Mm -hmm. But that is only the initiative. And once the team comes in, they have to pitch in with the test strategy because if they're involved in the test strategy, there are more transparency in within the team on what is expected out uh, on the long term. So uh, I would say this: the the ownership should. And the initiative should start from the test lead. The test lead should actually collaborate, create a forum where uh, these kind of requirements and these kind of expectations are set and create that expectation within the team that this is going to be the quality ratio. This is going to be my team's uh, set. I mean, if you expect my product to meet the market standard in quality, I need X number of people within X number of time to go with this pace. 
and this is how the the competence uh, you know will look like so i think the the initiative has to be with the test lead mm. and then gradually the test strategy should convert into test plans where the team come into picture but, yes mm. yeah. yeah i think if you my my opinion about this how i would approach it i mean uh, if uh, if one would get the chance to work on a completely new product i think it would be very exciting but rarely happens nowadays uh, but uh, i would i would try to first like understand uh, where what's the purpose of what we're we're building what what are we building and why are we building it uh, to first get, get a grip on that and then try to understand who who's going to use it that's like the most important thing who's going to use it and why are they going to use it uh, um, once we've answered that question and then you start building your product and becomes like the second two most important questions in my opinion is that uh, are we building the right product and are we building the product right uh, mm-hmm. i think uh, these questions is something that one should ask themselves all the way throughout development and then mm-hmm. in the end um, see what is what is the answers to these uh, uh, do they match your expectations or not uh, and then understanding, try to, or at least to understand, like, what is the product life cycle? How is it going to uh, to be maintained uh, time over time? How is it going to be introduced, like, new features? Uh, and uh, how are you going to, for example, deprecate features and take all of that into consideration? Uh, and then also in the beginning, uh, when you could do like a, a risk analysis, for example, and see like which part of your product is most likely to be very difficult or complex, and which part can you like may try to make it as simple as possible to avoid the complexity. Where are basically the major risks in the product, mm. and put more testing effort on that part. Yeah. Um, and then when it comes to like test automation for especially a new product. Uh, from my experience now, we've been suffering a bit because we didn't take test automation into consideration in the beginning of the product. So the, right. the, the code was not testable. We had to spend a lot more time later making sure that we can test, uh, test automate our code. Uh, and that's, that's uh, like a, a struggle. If we would have done that from the beginning, it would have been much easier. But there's also a downside to that is that in the beginning of a product, there's a lot. A lot is changing in the product. So if you could would write a test automation for parts of your code, after a week it might not be relevant anymore. And then you ask yourself, why did we spend so much time in the beginning writing so much code? So in my mm-hmm. opinion, maybe until the product gets like a, a stable, or at least part of the code is a bit stable, then you could write test automation for that part and spend more time doing maybe like manual testing or exploratory testing, but also never forget to set up your code so that you later beyond be able to add test automation to it. Yeah. Um, yeah and, was- and, and, and just to, I think it's, it's a brilliant uh, answers, but also the fact that Lately, it has become a habit, at least in my experience, uh, to struggle with environments. So when it when when we begin a new product as a test uh, lead, it's quite important to establish an environment only for the test testing purposes. I'm not saying it's only assigned to the testers. I mean, you can do whatever you want, wherever you want. But an environment is becoming because it comes with cost, of course, comes with uh, and if the if the team, or the backend team, is already occupied 
with releases, they're never going to come back and invest so much time in building a test environment for you. Uh, so it's very yeah. crucial at the beginning to focus a bit on the environment as well. That's going to be a key factor. Good. It's your strategy. Mm -hmm. Actually, I think, you, you, yeah, you have that, reached that uh, the to... points that I, I sorry, I just want to say that you have actually reached the point that I wanted to to, yeah. to, to get to. So what what are the consequences of uh, of not including automation from the beginning or at least I have a perspective of how it's going to be the environment as well. So these kind of things that I've, I've experienced it uh, yeah. quite a few times already. So I'm, I'm glad that you are also are yeah are, are with yeah. me in this <laughs> we are on the same boat of experience exactly <laughs> sorry pedro so getting, yeah, it was no no uh, what uh, the banker said um uh, it triggered the whole like devops thing right where you set up the the environment and then you have like all these you have the team dedicated to spinning off environments to take care of certain needs within the company so and i think that goes to also to Marwan's point where you have to be involved with the architects and like to make things testable. Um, whereas how do we make this so that it's easily accessible by us so we can do what we need to do? And especially what happens if you have a mic uh, like um uh, let's call it a microservice architecture. Mm -hmm. Like how do you test that? Because it's constantly changing by exactly. all teams at all times. Yep. Like that for me, that's the that's the scary architecture. <laughs> I don't know about you guys. But. Well, I can tell you that uh, I mean, regarding the, the DevOps things, uh, I mean, the DevOps, uh, at least in our company, uh, they are managing like the environment where the production service uh, and everything is running and also like the monitoring of it, uh, like regarding logs and metrics. And basically what I do is that I let them do all that development and then it's just copy paste what they have done for a testing environment instead and <laughs> everything will be for free <laughs> and also regarding what I'm testing right now I have the the possibility to always face the testing production which I, I really like mm -hmm. uh, because testing in production I mean you cannot compare it to a testing environment <laughs> yeah yeah uh, yeah that, that's true I mean uh, and also the fact that how do you uh, on the long run how do you uh, integrate your uh, continuous testing right into the pipeline as well. That is where it all falls down to yeah. uh, developers. I have faced the issues where developers actually have only one branch. Uh, yeah. And that becomes quite tricky because you fix the bugs and features in one branch and release it and it becomes all of a sudden a bit of a tricky situation when you go to staging, for example. And when it grows, it is tricky. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So that is why the environment expectations and setup is very cr crucial as well mm. in the strategy. Yeah, I see. We have different approaches as well. Mm. Cool. I, I have a, just a side question re related to this. Um, when you get this uh, new product, do you analyze um, or how what how do you, how do you analyze the product from a test perspective? What uh, test aspects do you consider usually, or it varies? For instance, let's say. Uh, performance, uh, robustness, uh, functionality, uh, stability, th this type of things. Do you have a classification of all these things? How do you tackle, how do, how do you face this product? How do you, let's say, um, break it down into, if you do, I don't know, I want to know if you do that. Do you break it down into different test areas or quality areas? I think in what I'm doing right now is, uh, trying to first of all make sure that 
the core functionality is working. Uh, like the, the, the core thing that we know that 90% of our customers are using, making sure that that part is working. Uh, and then there are, as you say, like there's performance, there is load, there is stress test, there's a different kind of testing that can be going, uh, that can be done uh, outside of that. But uh, as long as if you first concentrate on making sure that core functionality works, mm. and then you can monitor your application or your service, how is it doing in production? Uh, for example, you can see like a trends is like how, what is the latency? What is the loading time? What is, yeah, stuff like that. Then you could focus more on testing on these areas with the feedback that you get from the real applications that yeah. are in production. Uh, I think because uh, I have a few products, for example, in, in our offerings that I look after. And depending on the type of products and the user base, uh, we define what are the different focus areas for testing? What is the end goal for testing? There, there are products which are uh, supposed to be catchy to the users, uh, uh, and we, we focus on the usability there and functionality, why not? But mm -hmm. there are products which are going into a wide base of mining customers. The user base is going to be huge, and the data volume is going to be huge. So that is where we also focus equally uh, important uh, categorization of performance testing. How, how long can we really sustain this uh, with our architecture. No? So uh, some kind of predictive analysis needs to be done in terms of your user base. We collect that information, what is it expected to do in the next two years, four years, five years, and uh, what is the uh, end customer base? Uh, we know it has to be catchy, then we focus more on um, how, how what, what kind of content technology and how well it looks and uh, can, can I sell it to the customer or not? Uh, but if you know it is just, because uh, there is a product, for example, which is a digital assistant. And then, then they buy these big crushers, and our product is supposed to probably just take the data from the sensors and give them all these uh, important information that they can use uh, as an assistance and uh, do all their daily uh, uh, inspections and whatnot. They just need user-friendly UI, but they need a proper functioning data, a proper functioning protocol so that they can do the inspection. So data becomes important, um, and the amount of users become important. So it depends on the type of product uh, being intended for the type of users and the volume of users. And depending, depending on that, we decide what kind of tests are predominantly required. Interesting. So, mm. but thank you very much. Um, and for this, I think uh, it really depends on the product that you're working on. If you're yeah. working for radio signals and stuff like that, then you have big fault tolerance, but you want great performance, right? Um, mm. So, of course, you'll focus on performance. I think and that's a product of the conversation with your product manager or your or your yes. Mm. Most you important have different, different focus. Yeah. Yes, I, I agree. But I think but, exactly. Uh, I, I, it was more like if you formalize this uh, division, do you formalize it in some way, or it just just depends on the product it comes and then you. I for me it would depend on the product. Like for me, right, it would depend on the one, product. One thing which is I'm finding more consistent now is the risk based approach for testing uh, and it's 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 also an important uh, factor to consider because uh, I've, we've had experience for example where it's not about the amount of users per se but there has been a product which has never been tested for load capacity never been tested for load balancing or stress mm -hmm. and then suddenly a storm happens somewhere and a lot of your products don't work apparently so everybody's coming into the uh, the app to report a problem and that's mm -hmm. when it crashes 
Yeah. And that is probably happening once in a while, but that is something where the people actually need the application the most and they mm. don't get it. So it also depends on the risk-based approach. I mean, what is the risk that's going to happen if I don't do performance testing and, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Good, good, good point to have a risk analysis in place. Yeah. Nice. We'll move on to the last question, just because I'm conscious about time. Um, and Petros, you are the last person to go. Um, and you asked, what is the one thing you wish you'd known before becoming a test lead? So tell us a bit more about yours. Um, well, as I mentioned earlier, like I'm sort of new to the to the role itself, uh, but I've been doing the grunt work <laughs> way before I got the title. Uh, so for me, um, when, when I got the title, let's say things didn't shift significantly and I sort of expected there will be more like people oriented stuff as well. Uh, but the technology stuck around and uh, I didn't expect it to go away completely. Uh, but um, I thought it would be more like of a people orientated, uh, uh, let's say middle management sort of stuff. Um, don't get me wrong, I love my position, I love what I do and the technical aspect of it. But it caught me off guard. Uh, and I don't know if that's it, like maybe I could rephrase the question as what caught you off guard when you first started working as a test lead? <laughs> Uh, I think I think for me, uh, definitely uh, shifting from you know the ideology of uh, the practice of thorough quality uh, assurance to optimal quality assurance nowadays because now it's everything fast process and as we said, customer can live with something for a couple of weeks, uh, and with the new agile coming into picture uh, or rather agile been in picture but now it's been more aggressively followed. And uh, with everybody more focused on frequent releases and being up to the mark, you know, up to the competition, uh, we're losing track a bit about thorough, about coverage, and we're focused more on criticality. We're focused more on optimal uh, quality, as I said. So that, that was a bit uh, new for me, should I say? Uh, uh, but uh, it's been rewarding as well, in a way, uh, so to speak. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that is something that caught me off guard in a way. I can say that in uh, in my experience, like the, when becoming a test lead, all the the, the stuff regarding the testing itself and managing the testers and uh, developing the test plan and stress strategy that that didn't change much. That was just a, a smooth uh, operation because we've I've been doing that for many years. But what has been taking a lot more time for me is to sync with the rest of the organization about like the, the testers and the, our process and the expectations that everybody is having on the testers to deliver. Like when when are you, when are you going to say, hey, it's okay for us to release? Like what what's taking so long? And that's like the taking a lot a lot of time actually so that everybody is in sync and also the classical thing that um, still uh, like takes a lot of time is to show the importance of having testers early in the beginning in the process in design phase in the requirement phase uh, and convincing the rest of organization to adopt that so that I don't find out after three months that there's a new project going on that they want us to test, but we have never heard about it before. <laughs> yeah, so it's stuff like that, and it's not actually the testing itself. <laughs> so if I would knew that in the beginning, I would be more prepared. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and I, I will come to come back to the balance uh, balance between the automation and uh, and the, what automate, what not to automate. Uh, sometimes we automate too much, automate too much, and we don't consider that the the product might grow for years, and that will imply that you will have uh, tests that will not be um, valuable anymore. So you need to know when also to remove. Uh, uh, tests and when to stop testing. It's it's quite tricky, uh, quite tricky position when you need to decide. Okay, now we shouldn't test this anymore. Or we should reduce the test on this uh, area. Or it's that's uh, that's one of the most uh, risky and trickiest, uh, I would say, and scary parts of the of these uh, roles. Yeah, like that's the, that's the interesting thing. Like, like you all three touched on sort of my feelings on this. Like, uh, you know, for me, it was more like the sinking. I expected that, uh, but I didn't expect, you know, the amount of actual like technical work that had to be gone. I thought there would be a balance <laughs> that you mentioned, but that didn't happen. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, Sergio, just. Um, to follow up on the balance between the the the, the test automation, um, how because you came from a programming development uh, mentality, um, yeah. How does it compare? Uh, like, how does that shift compare with? Uh, oh, I need to maintain my unit tests and stuff like that. Uh, but, uh... Unit test is uh, usually a nightmare, and uh, mm -hmm. developers they don't really want to to, <laughs> to do too much of it because now seriously, it's like half percent of the time it goes uh, into the unit testing, not developing the actual functionality. So it's half and a half. It's uh, hard to maintain, and that's one of the things that uh, um, you mentioned before that um, that um, you need to to start building together with tests. But uh, the product might change a lot in the beginning, so those unit tests will not would be worthless. So you will remove them, and when you create new code, so you need to recreate the unit test. So what we we have done is to have a higher level of unit testing instead of only testing the units. So we go a bit above. We do component testing, but we empower the component testing, so and add a bit of functionality on that. So it's more um, change proof. Let's say the test will survive. Mm -hmm if you change the, the code, but you need to be also very tricky. It needs to be done with more mature products. Um, well, no, not really. It needs to be done uh, <laughs> also in the beginning. So in the beginning, it's good that you reduce a bit the effort on the automation, definitely. So it's less automation, less unit testing, and more on, on a higher level on the requirements uh, and the functionality, the core functionality that you also mentioned, Marwan before so that's in the beginning and it progressively you need to to adapt your legacy and your your regression testing depending on how mature is your product how areas are more or less sensitive you get more bugs in that some areas or you expect to have more develop um, more users then you need to strengthen these other areas the stress testing stability and so on robustness so it depends it's it's a life it's an uh, it's a life process. So you cannot say from the beginning the state strategy is this. It needs to to be dynamically adapted to the to the needs of the product and the users. In the end, that's my that's my experience. Awesome. Thank you guys. Really appreciate the the answers.
Nice, lovely. And we'll leave the podcast there. This has been the Evolution Exchange podcast. And I want to take this opportunity to thank Dipanka, Marwan, Petros and Sergio for providing your insights into the topic. And thank you all to the listeners as well. If you would like to get involved in one of our upcoming podcasts, reach out to me on LinkedIn or by email at abby.stokes at evolution-nordics.com. See you next time.